0: Hi, welcome back to the Year Hired podcast brought to you by the Bastion Family Center for Career Success. This week we interviewed Joel Willison, who was a theater major at Knox, and we talked to him about what it's like to be in theater and advice he has for fellow students. My name is Lorley.
1: My name is Madison. So today's podcast, our topic is on paving the future for theater and performing arts. So today we have Joel with us, who is a Knox alum. So can you start with introducing yourself?
2: Yes, hi. uh, My name's Joel Willison, he, him, his. Um, I was in the class of 2020. A Little bit about myself, I was a theater major, creative writing minor. Uh, I was born in Evanston, Illinois, but I grew up overseas in Kampala, Uganda. Um, And while at Knox, I was involved in the theater department pretty heavily and Frisbee pretty heavily. Those are like my two main things, but also I was a tour guide. I was a resident assistant. Um, I worked on the Multicultural Student Advisory Council. I was one of the founding members of, uh, gosh, what was it called? Day of dialogue. I was director. I ran New Place Workshop, all that stuff.
1: I remember when I first met you, you were trying to like recruit people for Frisbee. And like the Knox joke is like Frisbee and soccer and like the different um, sports and things like that are like low key, like cultish on campus. But my first question for you is how exactly did you get into theater and performing art?
2: That's a great question. Uh, so, I'm the youngest of five. So, I, I have no personality. I picked all the other stuff from my, my siblings and picked those for myself. Um, so, number one in the family, they're all really good at different things. Um, and number two, number four, Ashley, she did theater in high school. So, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll do some theater. It was partly because I wasn't good at music and wasn't good at drawing. So I joined theater because so it was like the third art option. Um, and I loved it. I love stories. I love like focusing on stories, what makes a story good, what makes a story bad. And theater is kind of universal in that aspect of how to tell a story. So I really like that aspect of it. But I also wanted to do medicine and writing. And so Knox, I came to Knox wanting to focus on medicine, writing, or theater. And Knox was one of the only schools that looked at me and was like, oh, that's not ridiculous. Have fun. My first term, I did some biology classes and some theater classes. And I realized I had my doubts about medicine. So I stuck with theater. And it, our theater department is small enough that if you want to do something, you'll be able to do it. And I just kept wanting to do stuff, focus on different things. And I was able to do that. And then it kind of just kept happening. And now I'm theater major and everything well was a theater major and i run a theater company now
0: yeah that's so cool do you want to talk a little bit about your theater company um and like how you started it and like what like the mission is and all of that and like any advice if like students like are interested in doing the same thing
2: um yes so i run a theater company called pocket theater vr or virtual reality Uh, it was created during the pandemic with the goal of finding a way to bring the stage and the audience together in a safe way uh, during COVID. So the idea technically is, you know, uh, if you wanted to, so Madison, Loralee, if you wanted to watch Hamilton with me in New York, and right now I'm in Chicago, I don't know where both of you are. um, Kind of the point is that it doesn't matter. So if we wanted to watch Hamilton in New York, then we could log on and we could watch the show on virtual reality, and it would feel like we're there. It would feel like we're in the front row seats watching the show. Um, and this has a lot of potential for accessibility. I think it's really great because then you don't need to worry about, you know, wheelchair seats when you're planning. You don't need to worry about access. You don't. You, all people need is internet. That's what I'm really excited about. Um, and our goal is to kind of use that access accessibility function of virtual reality to start getting rid of rid of a lot of gates. Um, in other areas of theater. I love Knox and the theater department, but it is a very white theater department. Um, and also just theater in general is pretty white. And so this is one of the gates that we think we could break down. In my senior year at Knox, I was doing an honors project uh, for theater. I was gonna direct this play called Death of a Salesman, and then it didn't happen because of the pandemic. How can everybody still come and watch this and still be safe? And so that's where the idea of this theater company came from. Uh, My advice for starting a company is just tell a lot of people about it, the idea, and you'll have to figure out why it would work, why it wouldn't work, and who you're trying to focus on. Um, Because I remember one of the main things is I told uh, my mentor in theater about this idea. And she was like, oh, Joel, everybody makes a theater company. Um, I bet, like, she was like, you're going to do, like, one play that you wrote, and then you'll probably be done. Um, And this was her just being very realistic. And so I don't blame her for saying that, but it was because she said that, that I pushed us in the first year to keep doing more productions. And because I was like, I want to prove it. I want to prove that this isn't just about satisfying you know, our, our creative ego, but I want to prove that this is more about the idea. So that it was actually very helpful of just t- getting that idea out. And the more people that I told, the more pressured I felt to actually do it. Because I felt like I would let people down.
1: That was actually, that was really cool. Because my opinion, I feel like theater, art, performing arts is like very underrated and very obviously underfunded. And like when you were talking about kind of like the gatekeeping of you know theater and stuff, and trying to make things accessible and creating all these resources are like a really cool like, cool thing to do. And like all those things that you were talking about. Because I remember for me and like in high school, like. The stuff that they did for like performing arts was like very non-existent and it's just like for what like why are we not doing something that is good for the brain the body and just growing and being creative i also saw that i'm not sure if this was like the same thing um as your company but you were trying to create a program that was taught well taught theater in a different way from like academia or something like that
2: so that well there's two things i want to talk about from what you just said so with your experience in high school of, in theater in high school that's why we in our first year did something we found people our age who were BIPOCs and weren't like mm-hmm. stereotypical theater roles that you would think of like when you think of theater you think of actor director lighting designer all that stuff um but there's a lot of arts management involved. Like you could be finance in theater, and what does that look like? And if you don't have a lot of money, then you don't have a lot of time to be able to, you know, seep into theater and figure out that you actually like you like theater, but you want to do this job. So we found, we asked a lot of people our age to explain their jobs, explain their roles in theater and what they like, and then also give advice. And we said you can give any advice you want, but you can't tell people to get an unpaid internship because Theater kind of runs off of unpaid internships right now, and it's horrible because only you know rich people can do that, and rich people tend to be white people. Uh, so that just kind of feeds into the whole system. Um, but the program that you're talking about is called Class. Super original name. Oh, um, <laughs> but the idea is to focus on theater. It's peer reviewed It's peer um, presented. To focus on theater that. Is non Eurocentric, and wasn't taught in academia, or that we our, acad- our academic history didn't teach us. So, for example, we did a test run on, is- and the, I presented on the topic Isikathulo, which is uh, South African gumboot dancing, and sort of like built out of this idea that during the apartheid in South Africa, the gumboot miners or the miners wearing gumboots um, weren't allowed to speak to each other because of their guards into the way they would talk was they would step and they would slap their gumboots in certain ways. to be like, hey, this guy sucks, right? And then they'd like slap their boots in accordance and everything. Um, but that helps build a lot of theater and a lot of dance from that. So that's an example of one presentation. So we've asked around online, on the online theater community to be like, hey, if you could present on anything, what would you wanna do? Um, and so we've had some really interesting ideas come up. And so we're gonna start implementing that uh, program next season
0: um you have like so many ideas and like you've done so many things how do you like stay motivated and like actually like do them and like complete them
2: i don't know i'm so unmotivated right now um i love ideas i love coming up with ideas um and like figuring out how to make a system better or something different i don't know if it was better um but I, for anyone listening, um, burnout is real and you gotta focus on yourself. So like, that's why we haven't done anything with Pocket Theater in the past few months because I'm the only one producing stuff in Chicago and I've never really produced at this level. And so I looked at everybody and I was like, hey, I'm really tired. Can we like pause? Um, And so that's kind of hurt the motivation of it and so but that where to find motivation Hmm. kind of the idea of like if you didn't do it who would and if they did it what would they do differently and would they do it the way you wanted to and then why don't you do it like what's holding you back my brother has my brother worked in admissions for swarthmore And one of the questions he would ask during during interviews for the kids that were going to get into the college, he said, hey, so if you had a year off and you had, I think their tuition was like $90,000, he was like, if you had a year off and you had $90,000, what would you Mm do? And like, what's stopping you from doing that right now? Because it's such an interesting question. If you weren't at college, what would you be doing? What would you be doing if you had all that money and you had no limitations? Um, And so that kind of keeps me motivated of the idea of like, well, what can we do? And what's stopping us from doing it? Also, okay, I'm just I feel like I'm rambling, but I'm going to keep going. Um, so, <laughs> uh, um, my mentor in the theater department always talked about this. So, in theater for grad school, it's a little different. So, like, if you want to go to grad school, it's all about the connections that the grad that the grad school gives you, which is partly why um, grad schools have kind of shut down their programs right now because we're not really aware of what connections are still gonna be there after the pandemic. Um, But a lot of grad schools that are like a little more serious about theater ask that you have a professional credit to your name or at least one credit, which is like you've done a play you've acted or directed or whatever um, outside of academia. And the reason being is because uh, academic stuff, doing theater at Knox is actually very simple. You've got the space, you've got the people, you've got the props, you've got sets. Um, And so the way it was always explained to us was, uh, you know, graduate from Knox, have a couple of years, and then go to grad school. And those couple of years are to to figure out a few of the hunger, quote-unquote, the hunger to do theater. And I remember calling up my mentor, uh, like, right after college, and I was like, I totally get what you mean about the hunger.
1: I really want to do theater right
2: now. This makes complete sense why the grad schools wait because they want to see if you were able to do this independently outside of the system. Um, And so finding that hunger is really special and like a very good moment. It could be hunger for anything. Like if you're listening to this and you're not part of theater, if you have hunger to do finance, you know, do finance. In terms of staying motivated, you can't stay hungry forever. Like you have to feed that for a while. Um, And so finding ways to find that joy in what you're doing is going to help you do that thing a lot longer cuz for me at the very beginning of doing the theater stuff i was just focusing on the hunger part and not really on the creative fulfillment and so whenever i was like interviewing other people um cuz i love talking to people who have found you know um success in theater i love talking to them like hey where did you find the drive to keep going cuz this is exhausting and I'm 23, and it shouldn't be exhausting. And they're like, oh, um, there's someone, she like keeps a book of all the amazing women in theater and what they've done, or the amazing women in history. And she's like, that's what keeps me going is just reading that book whenever I get sad or, or depressed or tired of what I'm doing. So finding that hunger is really important.
1: Yeah. I understand that, and then also too how I look at it as well. Like, are you hungry? This tuition bill is hungry too. Like, I think I know what I'm doing. You know, but also at the same time, what can kind of happen? Like with like losing motivation and trying to pick it back up, and like having that creative balance, like you were saying, like that creative fulfillment. Like when you're when you're taking all these resources away, and they want you to be like out on your own and figuring out. You know what you're going to do when you're working so hard and you don't see no reward like the motivation and like the enjoyment of it can like slowly start to go away and I like how you were mentioning about the person reading like the books about like people who have done stuff um my question for you is in your opinion is it important to be excellent at something or great at something what i mean by that is in ways people can leave a legacy behind and i feel like with in theater you don't really see the stage crew and what they're doing and the person who's doing the lights and the props and preparing things all together you don't really see them highlighted in that aspect of work where it's always mainly like the maybe the directors but really more of like the actors and stuff highlighted and that and i feel like sometimes when you don't have like that balance of being appreciated it can make people turn away from wanting to do what they actually Hmm. enjoy or love
2: that was a lot and i'm going to try and unpack the question a little (laughs) bit but i think would you rather be excellent or great at something I think that depends on your definition of that for yourself. Um, so I was having such like, I was like 23, but I was having such a midlife crisis after graduating college. And the reason being is when you're in college, literally your entire life is graded. Like you are told where you're doing bad. You're told where you're doing good. You're told how to get better. And when you graduate, you don't have that. You have your own definitions of that. and like oh, I think I had a pretty good day today or I didn't have a good day today. And it all depends on what you want. And that was really weird, especially since I'm in a I'm in a field where it's completely subjective. And so imposter syndrome is big anywhere, especially if like you're a first-gen college student or you're a BIPOC. But in theater, it sucks because if someone comes to you after the play and they're like, hey, by the way, that, that was really bad. All you can do is say, yeah, Thank you, uh where did you think it was bad? like can we talk about why you think that like um, and so feeling great is um a really wonderful thing. Feeling excellent is a really wonderful thing, um, but I think feeling confident in yourself for me is the most important thing, and I am not confident in myself at all For anyone listening, if I sound confident, that's because. I don't know, I have a jovial voice or something, um, but what I'm doing with Pocket Theatre is I <clears throat> I've i told the team that I work with, which are all Knox alum, actually, or Knox students, um, that's what's up, exactly. We lift together, um, is... I'm treating this theater company like a research and development for the idea of virtual reality. I'm not exactly stuck to us as a theater company. I want to expand on what this could do for accessibility. And then if we all disband and we go our separate ways, but if we prove that it works, then that's what I care about. I care more about the legacy of the idea rather than the legacy of myself as a person, because I think this could really help theater. I don't know if that answered your question okay cool but if anyone's listening and you're new in your field uh you know have faith in yourself you are in that room for a reason don't get into imposter syndrome i know it's a lot easier said than done
0: joel has definitely inspired me to find how i can follow my passions through a career i know for me it has been kind of a tricky process to figure out how exactly i can land a job i'm passionate about Our podcast sponsor Haven is a student-centric company that is built to help you gain relevant experience in the field you want to go into. If you want to learn more about how Haven can help you turn your passion into that ideal career, go to www.joinhaven.com. That's H-A-E-V-N. They have an intense weekend coming up that will give you opportunities to get closer to a job you're passionate about. One thing I think would be good to talk about is like how you deal with like criticism. Like you mentioned, like it like theater is subjective and like um, like, for me personally, I know, like, I don't deal with it very well. Um, so, if you have any advice, that would be very great.
2: I don't think my advice is, like, healthy. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, I kind of – my family is very competitive. We do a lot of games and stuff. And so – and I know that sometimes I – Kind of just go in head first um, and like don't really question it and just do stuff, but <clears throat> all right, so I have this I'm going on a lot of different tangents and trying to get to the answer, but I have this piece of paper uh, that I wrote down when I got my first directing gig at theater in theater or at Knox, and I wanted to do it in alley. I don't know if any no you're all about to be juniors, so you probably didn't see it. But I my first show was an alley. What that means is half the stage, or the stage is in the middle of the room, and half the audience is on one side, half the audience is on the other side. Um, so like a train, car, you know, like an alley. Um, <clears throat> and all of the theater stu- professors are like, that's dumb, you shouldn't do that, you don't know what you're doing. And in that piece of paper that I wrote that is taped up on my wall, I think it says, um, We're going to fucking prove that we're good at this or something. Yeah. Um, And so I kind of took it personally. And every like directing, every rehearsal, I would kind of like talk to all the students being like, guys, we need to get this right. We're amazing. We're going to do it really well. So I guess I took, I take the criticism personally. I don't think it's healthy. But whenever there's a setback, then I just kind of take it as an opportunity to be like, okay, well, I need to prove that I can do this. Um, So I just kind of use the criticism or the critique, I guess, as fuel to do better. Uh, But sometimes I can really get in my head about stuff. And that's when having a supportive uh, structure around you, um, someone unbiased. Because like, especially criticism, self-criticism is always the worst because it's you. Uh, But just imagining like, hey, would you ever say that to a friend Uh, really helps. Because sometimes I'll be like, oh well, that was such a dumb idea. Why did you do that? Blah blah blah. Um, and thinking, oh, if I said that to Lurley, would I want to be friends? Would Lurley want to be friends with me, or something like that? Of um, just trying to get rid of the bias and see, like, is this something that is actually constructive to hear uh, for your success
1: or anything? I know for me, not saying this is right or wrong, because what do I know? But I also feel like it depends on also like the person who's critiquing. Like if I'm asking help for a paper and someone who's really, really good at writing is giving me criticism, I'm going to take it, listen. But if it's just some stranger that don't know nothing, I'm like, hmm, thanks, but no thanks, you know? So I feel like you kind of have to understand and evaluate the critique and how it impacts like what you're trying to improve because criticism isn't only just to be like okay this sucks it's also like okay maybe you should try this to make it better you know it it can be kind of I don't want to say super like subjective but almost like okay you get to choose whether or not you want to improve in that way because that might be whatever you're getting critiqued on, that might be something that you really like, and the next person may like it, and the person after that may not like it at all. So, yeah. My question for you, Joel, is how have you overcome the different challenges within theater and performing arts and the different positions that you have played within it?
2: Strength in numbers. Uh and I guess knowing my place, like, I know that I'm really new to being an artistic director. I know that I'm really new to theater in general. Um, and so having strength in numbers of like having a team, we have a meeting every Thursday where I just kind of shoot ideas at them and say, like, please tell me what works, what doesn't work, what do you think we should do differently? Um, and then also, whenever I don't know what I'm doing, I call up someone who I think would know what to do and say, hey, can I get your advice on this? What do you think about this? I mean, I just sort of ask them about that. Um, so that really helps. And then also, um, I like to set myself up in jobs where I feel like I'm still learning something applicable. So. Uh, Right now I'm planning out a se- the season. Uh, for So that's like, when is a play gonna happen? When is it being released? When is it being produced, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so just understanding that and finding somewhere that I've tried to learn that or do that in theater or in another aspect of my life and taking that experience and trying to apply it to over there is really helpful whenever I feel like I'm stuck somewhere.
0: Yeah, I think that's good advice. Um, I'm- One last question. I don't know about Madison, but what, like, general advice do you have for students at Knox? Like, whether they're, like, in theater or not, just, like, the best advice that you wish you could have been told while you were still here.
2: Learn how to be alone and, like, be okay with being alone, Um, I guess, of, like... I don't know if that's actually the best advice to give. No. Okay. Um, odds are, if you feel something, someone else in the room feels the same way. So, if you want to say something about it, say it. Especially like if you feel uncomfortable or if you feel like you uh, want to know about an idea more, um, just say it. I think it's always more important to ask the question than hold on. Uh, especially if like if you're in a room and you feel like you don't know anyone there. Odds are, someone else in the room doesn't know anyone else there. Just start finding people, connect people. It's always great. And Knox is such a welcoming community. Like guaranteed everybody breaks your expectations of them in some way. In a positive way too, not just in a negative way. I think everybody knows something good. But yeah, that's my advice.
1: Yeah, that is really good advice. Um, the last question for the podcast is, um, what are some opportunities for knock students to join or apply for theater um, within being a student and when they graduate? Because it's always like, okay, graduating soon, and this is what I'm doing, but I don't know where to turn
2: Ooh, to Ooh, what a so. spicy question. Um, because I don't know. No, no. Uh, like, in Knox, where to apply for theater stuff at Knox? Hmm. Honestly, OK. You, uh if you're going to do theater at Knox, I would say do student theater. Don't act. I mean, you can do the main stage stuff, but if you do the student theater, like, there's, that is so more that is so much more similar to like how you're going to be making theater when you graduate college because you kind of have to figure it all out together you might be a stage manager but you might also be like the lighting operator or something like there's a lot of overlap when you're doing student theater news plays workshop is very undervalued if you are an actor um because a lot of actors at the, at, at Knox think that when they graduate Knox, you're going to have the main roles in every production or whatever. Um, but a lot of theater, in general, is built through workshops. Kind of like how you build a bridge. You start at the bottom, and then you go up. It's kind of the same with theater. If you want to attach yourself to a project, you start at the bottom, and then you work your way up. Start at the workshop for that production. Go to every workshop. Prove that you're ex- like- prove that you are easily accessible, prove that you're a good person to work with, prove that you're in that workshop for them, not necessarily for the project, even though you are kind of there for the project. And cause then once you're there, then when it like, when it goes to Broadway, then they'll be like, oh my gosh, Laura Lee, she was so good in the workshop. She hit every note. She worked with all of our uh, like different actors that we threw in, she was perfect. And I think she would play Perfectly in this role, or like maybe someone will go to a different Broadway show or like storefront show and be like, "Oh, Madison, mm, she did that position so well. She's going to be so great in this play." And workshops really are kind of the networking base of theater. So do new new plays workshop. Get good at doing a workshop. Get good at doing a reading. Um, and this goes in professional theater as well. Workshops and readings. Oh. Very useful, very necessary. Um, Theater is kind of reinventing itself right now because of COVID. So you can start your theatrical career right now if you want, just get online, get Zoom equipment because a lot of theater's on Zoom right now. Um, We're probably gonna be doing a play at Knox at the very beginning of next year. So hit Pocket Theater up if you wanna act. Let's see. Just say yes to a lot of of opportunities. Find a job that still keeps you fulfilled. Don't live with other theater people, because that's really boring. Um, Then you'll just kind of start feeling jealous about them or whatever. Just don't do it. Find someone else. Uh, But yeah, also remember to take time for yourself. I don't know. Hopefully that helps.
0: That's all for this week's episode. Make sure you follow us on our social media and tune in next week to listen to our new episode. We here at the You're Hired podcast are on a mission to provide actionable steps that move you closer to your dream job. Our partner and podcast sponsor Haven is built to bring you opportunities to develop skills that light you up, gain experiences that move you forward and build diverse communities that support you. To learn more about paid micro-internships, group discussions, and one-on-one mentoring, go to www.joinhaven.com. That's H-A-E-V-N. The link is in the description, and we hope you take the next step in building your dream career. Thanks for listening.